0: Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in, listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Stand with me if you would. Hold your Bibles up. Welcome all of you. Joining us online, welcome into this worship experience. You don't want to miss it today. I promise you it's going to be great. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Again, thank you for joining us online. Thank you for being here. Uh, I began talking at the end of 2023 about where we were going as far as sermons in 2024, and beginning with this thought, I want more in 2024. Now, if you're a religious person at all, you have any ounce of religion in you, um, you will defend your position by saying, well, I'm just satisfied with what I have, and uh, how could you be so greedy with God? Because God told me to be. <laughs> it's real simple. He, he said, you know, all who come unto me, coming to me, all you who are weary laden, I'll give you rest. I want more rest. He said, if you'll give, it'll be given. Good measure, pressed out, shaken together, and running over. It's a promise of God. He said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I want it. He said, you're going from glory to glory. I want more glory, not for me, but for Him. And so if we live a life, and you can say, well, I'm just, I'm just satisfied. Great, it's fine. It's wonderful to be satisfied. But we want everything the Father has for us because the more we possess of Him, the more we testify of His glory and His presence. When people don't see the glory of God on our lives, They may never see the glory of God. You see, we are a light shining into a dark world, and and that's what we're called to do. So today we're going to continue this series on purpose, and uh, I began by saying we have a collective purpose, shared that. Now I want to talk about our individual purpose, beginning with friendships. You need to choose the right people to be around you in order to accomplish the purpose that's within you. There will always be people that when you tell them what you want to achieve in life, the things that you want to see happen, oftentimes the things that you share are beyond their ability to imagine that could ever happen. Or they think they know you. And they look at you and they will scoff because they've been around you long enough to know that ain't ever happening. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. You're not responsible enough. And people begin to measure your future by your past. You don't measure someone's future by their past. Everybody has a past, but everybody has a future. And what we choose to do in between those two things will determine which way we go. If I say, I've decided I'm going to make changes that will thrust me into my future, then there is a future for you. But if all you do is hang on to the past, you'll live in the past. You'll measure by the past. You'll make decisions by your past. And, and it's easy sometimes, if we're not careful, to believe that our past has determined our future. When in reality, we've all made mistakes. We've all made bad decisions. We've made bad choices. And the Bible says, those who walk with the wise will grow wise. But a companion of fools will come to ruin. Now, I don't really like that wording, but it's in the Bible, because I think there are people who do foolish things, which then tags them as a fool, and you don't need to be around people who are going to hold you back, and the difficulty here is people say, well, if you're really a Christian, why wouldn't you hang out with me, and and they'll start determining whether or not they're forgiven or whether or not you like them based on you being around them, when in reality, I tell people all the time, you can forgive people and not hang around with them. It doesn't mean you haven't forgiven them. It just means that you don't have the capacity any longer or you don't desire to have the capacity to deal with their negativity. When I got born again, I changed my phone number. I changed my affiliations, my friendships. And when I would run into someone that I hadn't spoken with in a while because they didn't have my number and I didn't call them, you know, there was this awkwardness for a moment. And as we began to talk, I said, you know, I made a life change, and I was being self-destructive in my life, and I decided I need to make changes, and I said, my changes are not your fault. My changes were a result of me having fault and not living the life I wanted to live, and I knew that I wasn't strong enough to stay where I was and get where I wanted to go. I didn't have the strength. And so I explained it very specifically and very quickly to let them know this is a result of me. You can't blame anybody else for where you are, what you've done, where you've been. Now, you can, you can certainly say there were reasons, and people contributed to the mistakes I made, but I chose to make them. So now, I have to have a greater purpose. If you have a greater purpose, it will overshadow the great problems that you have. And so you have to know the difference in your life, and you have to be able to then define that difference. There are people in your life for a reason. There are people in your life for a season. And you have to realize the difference. Why is that person here? Why are they with me? Are they contributing to my purpose? And there were people that were in my life for a season that really did contribute to my purpose. Um, uh, One of the great leaders of our day, John Maxwell. I I spent probably three to four years in his organization while I was pastoring, training leaders in, in Africa, in Europe in Santiago, Chile, but it was a season, and finally, when the last assignment I was asked to take was in Russia, it was over. (laughs) I said, I'm not going anymore. I'm done. It was a season for me, and it was a great season of growing and learning, but I knew the season was over, and this is what's so important, is finding out, keeping uh, track of your life, and knowing when a season ends. Very important because some people are there for a season in your life. They're not there for a reason. They're there for a season. And you have to know when that is. And there were people in my life for a season. And they're no longer in my life, and I'm no longer in theirs. It doesn't mean there's anything between us. I would have nothing against them. But I had to realize God was moving me to a different place and a different space. And so you have to determine that in your life. You don't have to be great to start But you have to start to be great. Zig Ziglar penned those words. And it's so critical for us to understand that you do have to start. And in order to achieve the greatness, and don't measure it by celebrities and all of that. I'm talking about your personal greatness, what you want to achieve in life. So your individual purpose begins here. Jesus said, my food, this is how the Amplified, my food or my nourishment is to do the will pleasure of him who sent me and to accomplish and completely finish his work. You know, there's a lot of talk in today's world about food and preservatives and healthy eating and healthy lifestyle. And all those things are very important, but you also have to nourish your soul. You have to be sure that you're feeding your soul the right things. When you're around people who always tell you the things you can't do, you'll never make it, you'll never achieve it, those people are putting stuff in your thought life and in your soul that will make you unhealthy. You need to be around people who are going to encourage you to live the dream that God's put in you, to finish the race, to accomplish the purpose for which you were put on earth. And so many people have this idea that life is just random, that whatever happens, happens. And some of you just, you've gotten caught in a rut. Uh, it began as a routine and it became a rut for you that you've worked at the same job, you go the same route to work. The other day, we, Susan and I were going to eat somewhere and I decided that I wanted to take a more scenic route. I wasn't really, I thought, I, I, you know, ever are getting that mood where you just kind of want to chill a little bit. And so we're about five minutes into the journey. She says, what are you doing? Why are you going? We've never gone this way before. Greatest compliment, she could pay me. I said, you know what, you're right. But I decided that there may be something on this route that I haven't seen. There may be something I can experience I haven't experienced. And I do that now from time to time. And throughout the years of preaching, I've encouraged people. I said, you know, tomorrow when you get up to go to work, take a different route. Some of you are like, right now, you're already needing to take a panic pill. Because you are so accustomed to doing the same thing every day, the same way, eating the same places, and, and, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But expand your life. Nourish your soul. There are things of beauty that you, you give yourself to. I, there are two things. There, there are times when I watch a movie. I don't watch it for the quality of the movie, but the, the cinematography that I just love seeing mountains. Now, I don't like them because they're cold, but I love seeing them. And so I can watch them on TV, and you have these big flat screens now. It's wonderful. It's like you're there. But you put me on a beach anywhere in the world, a beautiful beach, and watching the ocean. There's something about that that feeds my soul. And sometimes we don't get to where we want to go because we're not nourishing our soul. Because you were told, maybe not this generation, but my generation was that that was frivolous and unnecessary. We everything was about function. Everything had to do with function. What, what's, it, what's it doing for you? And are you making money at it? Are you helping somebody? And there are times God hasn't called you to help somebody else. He's called you to help you. You can't love your neighbor until you love yourself. So you have to be able to fill your soul with what you need to give out of your soul what others need. You have to be able to do that. So our purpose begins by self-exploration, looking inside to see what God has called us to do. Now, in Matthew chapter 19, Peter is having this conversation, and it says we left everything. He tells Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Now, this sounds a little bit self-serving, this question does, but Peter is really saying, you know, here's what we've done, now what can we expect? Now, see, some people expect nothing from God except heaven. They expect nothing from God, but hoping someday they get to go to heaven, And, and the devil would love to rob you of your purpose on earth by not asking that question. It's a great question. Now, we know Peter was impetuous, and he oftentimes went off the rails, but Peter had a really good question. What? What's in this for us? What can I expect from you, God? We've given you. We have purpose to follow you, but what's in it? And Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, this is the first they had ever heard of this. This is not even on their radar. So Jesus is expanding their reason for following the purpose to follow him. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Now, in the book of, of, of Luke, it says, and in this age. Not just in eternal life, but receive in this age. And so, you know, just even getting up, uh, getting up for church, uh, you're feeding your purpose. Hearing the word of God, you're feeding your purpose. Because you're feeding your soul. You see, I don't know how people even exist in this world without reading the Bible, hearing the Bible, worshiping God. And and the reason our world's so chaotic is most people are not bad people, their their soul is famished. They don't even realize how hungry they are because they've gone beyond that point. When I used to fast, when I was younger, and and I would do this every year, I would fast for 30 days-ish, about that period of time. And after about the fourth day, I wasn't really hungry anymore. I had deprived my body and said, and the reason I would fast is to bring my body into submission. It's not something that uh, we do to talk about, but I would do it because I wanted to say to my body, you are not in charge, my soul is. The Spirit of God is in charge. You're not in charge. Now, I know that there are people who ask about fasting and why we do it. For me, that was my purpose, and I wanted to be sure that I was paying more attention to my spirit than I was my flesh. Our flesh is powerful. It demands a lot of us, but when you start identifying your personal purpose, there are things that happen, and Peter asked that question. Now, this brings me to a story. of A friend of mine named Jim uh, we went to college together, and uh, we have now been friends for over 40 years. We get together every year. Uh, he and another friend of mine, right after they left college, they went to the mission field, and, and uh, they served on the mission field together for years. And I became a youth pastor, but we all stayed in ministry. But Jim's story is very unique. He grew up in Pennsylvania. Uh, his brother was a, 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 the trainer for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Jim was a great athlete. But Jim had no idea until he met Jesus. As he was playing ball, somebody led him to the Lord. He came from a very strong religious background. I won't say what it was, but it was so religious that he came home and told his parents, I've given my life to Jesus Christ. And he was very happy. And they looked at him and said, if you do not renounce what you just said, you have to leave our house. And well, he's a senior, he's got athletic abilities, he's going to go play college baseball, which he ended up doing. But in the midst of it, Jim had to make a very difficult decision. My purpose now is different than it ever was. I grew up in a family that lived a certain way, and now I'm born again. And and I'm not going to renounce Jesus. So he ended up getting kicked out of his house. So he finished his high school career got in a van with a a friend of his to drive to go play baseball in the Midwest, and in the process, never, ever hated his family, focused on his purpose. Long story short, over a period of time, he led all of his family to Jesus. He stayed true to his purpose. It was greater, and, and when Peter's asking, well, we've left everything. Well, Jim had basically left everything, and God's return for Jim was His family would come to the Lord because he stayed true to God's purpose. Today, Jim pastors a very large church in South Texas, raised a bunch of wonderful kids, and is living a great life. But let me say this. It cost him. It cost him. You see, we live in a world where we want to win the lottery, and uh, we want things to go easily for us. We want things to be simple, And things are not always simple. When you find your purpose, sometimes God will test it, other times the devil will tempt it. Notice there's a difference. God will test, He will never tempt. But there will be a test. Will you pass that test? Will you do what He said even when things don't look right? When they don't look good, they don't look favorable? What are you going to do then? You see, a lot of people bail, they quit on God. I've talked to people. They went to church for a year, and, and throughout that year, difficult things happened. And what they didn't realize was that, that God would strengthen us to get through tough times. He didn't say when we get saved, there would be no tough times, but he would help us get through tough times. And many people quit, but once you identify a purpose, then it, it helps strengthen you. You see, there are a lot of things I would, every now and then, my mind thinks what I would really, what would really be fun and what would be uh, worldly productive or financially productive. And I begin to think about those things just for a moment. And then I go, you know what? This is my purpose. I would do this if I had no income. I would do this the rest of my life. This is my purpose. And that's been very difficult because there have been good times and there have been bad times. When this purpose started, I was preaching. In Joplin, Missouri, this is when I was an evangelist, and and I was preaching several nights, and at the end of those several nights, they gave me a check that wouldn't even pay for the fuel to get there. And I, I looked at it when the pastor gave it to me, and I literally, I don't know if it was smart, I was young, I, I don't know, but I looked at him, and I signed it, and I gave it back to him. I said, you need this more than I do. <laughs> I thought, this is not why I'm here anyway, but it certainly would help with the groceries and a fuel bill. But in that moment, I realized my purpose was to do what I had done while I was there. And, and, and of course, over time, God did great things and allowed me to, to make my living doing what I'm doing. But there were times that that was not the case. And there may be times in your life that was not the case. So what you have to do to get beyond is identify individually what God has called you to. If I could look at any relationships in here today, couples that are together, I could look and say, does your spouse, significant other, whatever, do they know your purpose? And of course, in marriage seminars and so on and so forth, they ask, what's your wife's favorite color? And by the way, you never ask a man if his marriage is any good. Always ask the wife. (laughs) Men always, go, oh, yeah, everything's great. And wife's going, really? What house are you living in? And so if I were to ask, you know, what's her favorite flower? What's his favorite sport? What's his, I mean, whatever it might be, do you even know that? But more importantly, do you know their purpose? You see, for me, when Susan and I married, I told her, I said, the house of God is my world, and God is my Everything. And I said, whether you or my kids ever want to go to church or serve God, I'm choosing God, just so you'll know. I said, if everybody says, well, Dad, if, if you keep this up, we're, we're not going to be a part of your life. I'd say, well, there's the door. And you say, well, that's cold and cruel. No, 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 no. you got to understand, if God is not first, if God is not first, we're all in trouble. When you put God first, God takes care of everything else. this sounds very harsh because when I was young in ministry, we used to say, well, you know, if your family's not, no, no. If God is first, then God can fix the family. If the family's first, then you're in trouble. And, And again, this is hard for many people to understand because I know of people that their spouse doesn't go to church, never been to church, not going to church. And they say, well, you know, I guess I better stay home to keep my marriage. No, you better go to church if you want your marriage to work. And if somebody threatens to leave you, just tell them. You'll call an Uber. You say, well, Pastor, that's harsh preaching. No, 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 listen to me. You don't stand a chance. None of us stand a chance without God being God in our lives. We just don't. And so if there's ever a question about do we really want to go to church, look, this is not about what we really want to do. This is what we must do. Your want to is not always going to kick in at 7 on Sunday. And so what you have, to, you have to let purpose override sometimes the want to because you don't want to. And this is why purpose-driven people excel and succeed is because they leave no option when it comes to God, church, and serving God. And we can give all the reasons, well, it's cold, we're tired, we work five days a week, we work six days a week, until you hang on a cross, don't talk. You know, it's, it's, it's just so easy nowadays to excuse ourselves from doing what we ought to be doing. So identify your purpose. There's a story in 2002, and some of y'all are not football fans, and this won't mean anything to you, but it means a lot to people who know football. A guy by the name of Pat Tillman uh, was a great athlete, the Arizona Cardinals, you know, the sports money and all of this stuff. But there was something lacking in that. And he chose, along with his brother in 2002, to leave a $3.6 million contract with the Arizona Cardinals to go into the military for $18,000 a year makes no sense. Let me say this to you. Sometimes what God wants us to do and asked us to do makes no sense whatsoever. It's illogical. and, And so he goes, gets killed with friendly fire. And I'm sure there are many questions that people have, but I'll bet you there's one thing that I would bet on that Pat Tillman had no question. He knew what his purpose was and he did it. And it doesn't make sense to us, but I think to him, it probably made total sense. And it's painful sometimes that purposes take us places we don't want to go, places we don't like, but we go because we have this drive in us. Now, with that said, oftentimes our families have a purpose. Remember I talked about collective purpose. Our families have a purpose, and, and I've known families that own businesses, and they've had them for generations, and three and four generations in the business But all of a sudden, one person in that family, one child, one son, one daughter says, I don't want to be a part of the business. And I'm telling you, the rest of the family, and I've known one family personally, they just couldn't understand multi, multi millions of dollars. And one son said, this just doesn't do it for me. What do you do? You, you stay in the business, be miserable the rest of your life, have money. But that doesn't mean just because you have money that you're fulfilling your purpose. You see, our whole world today is driven by one purpose is to make a lot of money. That's the primary goal of most people. And here's what they say. If I make money, then I can live my purpose. No, you got to live your purpose. And then if you make money, it's a blessing. I'm not against money. I'm not against it. But, but here's the problem. It's okay. have stuff it's not okay for stuff to have us and so the minute stuff captivates our purpose imprisons it incarcerates it and where if we find no joy in the day let me tell you the reason many people are depressed they're not living their purpose and sometimes we have to step out and stand alone so if you're taking notes this is a big one be willing to stand alone my buddy jim Stood alone. And he said, I'm going to do this because I know it's the right thing to do. And we don't like to stand alone. Most people don't like to be alone. But sometimes you just need to be alone. Gather your thoughts. Jesus was alone. And he says in Ephesians chapter 6, Therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Not everybody else's ground. Stand your ground. When I left my position, I had a great job. My dad was happy that all of his sons were employed. And uh, I had this word from God to quit my job, which was a great job. Everything was awesome. But it, and and I, I actually liked it. But when God spoke to me to step out, go back to college, get a degree in theology, and go into ministry, that did not resonate with a parent. First off, you go into ministry, that's a high-risk position. You don't know how you're going to do it. I didn't even know how I was going to do it. But I sat down with my dad, and he challenged it. And here's his exact, these were his exact words. My dad was a good man. But he looked at me, and he said, son, because at that age, I was, I was about 23. And uh, he said, son, I'm not going to help you. And in that moment, I literally broke down in tears because I had no idea how I was gonna make it through college. I'm 23 years old. I had I, I was giving up everything at that time. I had a custom Corvette, one of a kind. And I knew if my dad wasn't paying, that car was going bye-bye. And that part, that car, believe it or not, sometimes what we drive. It becomes our identity. It, you know, that, that really tells that kind of people who we are. At least that was my case. And I'm thinking, i got to give this up. In that moment, I felt like I'm standing all alone. The man that I love more than anybody on earth is looking at me and saying, I'm not going to help you. And you know what? going to say something to you. He said the right thing. What my dad said, it couldn't have been, if he would have said, I'm going to help you, it would have taken away everything I needed. I needed to trust God exclusively. So my dad was right. And sometimes people give us a, what we think is a harsh answer. And, and how could you do that to me? But my dad, that was the right answer because I leaned on God. I sold that Corvette without ever putting a for sale sign on it. God said, I'm going to show you what I can do. A guy calls me. I never. I mean, I didn't know how he got my number. The car was very unique, and everybody in Tulsa knew it. I mean, you saw that car. There was not another one like it. And and I, I get a call, and my roommate says, the guy called and wants to buy your car. And I'm like, what? So I called him back. He comes to my house, and I said, he said, can I drive it? I said, let me tell you something. I'm not taking a dime less, and it has an oil leak. It wasn't much. I did everything I could to discourage him. He came back and said, you got a problem. I said, what is it? He said, I'm buying your car. And I hopped, get this guy. You talk about the power of purpose. I went from driving an exclusive Corvette to a Volkswagen bug. Oh, it was, I'm telling you, talk about humiliation. I'm sputtering around (laughs) a bug of all things. But in that moment, I felt alone. I'm standing alone. Nobody's with me. But when there was nobody with me, I felt the presence of God bigger than I'd ever felt it. Sometimes you have to put yourself in a position to let God be God. When the whole world, you feel like the whole world's against you, even though they're not. My parents weren't against me. They were just scared to death that they were going to have to support me the rest of my life. And sometimes you just have to stand alone, and that comes by spending time alone. I learned what that was about because at that point, I was all over the place, outgoing. I was living for Jesus. I had a great job, but I knew in that moment it was me and God. And God spoke to my heart, and he said, you will graduate from college debt-free. Now, this is a private university. He said, you'll graduate debt-free. And that's all he said. At the end of it, he didn't say how. And long story short, four years later, between graduation, baccalaureate and graduation, I'm sitting at the baccalaureate service listening to the, you know, this back in the day when they had them and honored God, and, and uh, I sat there and I had, there are me and God, I, I, I can't believe God puts up with me. Any of you feel that way? Yeah, some of you are so sweet, but then there are those of us that would go, God, how'd you put up with me? And I'm sitting there at baccalaureate and I said, God, you said I'd graduate debt free and I still owe some money. He said, you haven't graduated yet. And literally, true story between baccalaureate that morning and graduation that afternoon, all the money came in to pay off my school debt. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Doesn't say where he complained, where he wondered, where he criticized. When, when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Jesus continually clarified why he had come. There's a scripture in the Bible in Psalm 4610 that says, be still and know that I'm God. The New American Standard says, cease striving and know that I'm God. I needed those words, Mark, don't strive. Don't try to make things happen. Don't even try to figure it out. Trust me. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not under your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. And sometimes we get out the bulldozer and say, God, it ain't happening, so I'm going to bulldoze my way through. And this is where time alone comes, and it says you stop talking, switch off your phone, stop commenting, listen, stop arguing, stop questioning, and stop moaning. Be still. There are times that people feel compelled to pray, and people will talk to you and say, well, how often do you pray? How long do you pray? Sometimes prayer is silent not about what we're talking. God doesn't need to hear every problem we have and every concern and and I certainly believe in the power of prayer and the power of words. I believe in that. But before I can speak, I probably should listen. That's how come the psalmist said, be still. Put, Put yourself in pause mode and then it goes on to say and no. Stop doubting. Be sure. Have faith. And don't entertain second opinions you see you have a primary purpose and there are secondary purposes in life and there goes on and on the other day I had a meeting downtown and I had uh, I was meeting a a, a friend of mine and that meant guess what he was my primary purpose because I said I'll meet you at 11 o'clock now that may not mean something to some of you who are always late but to me I am always fashionably early. Let me tell you why. If I tell you I'll be somewhere at 11 and I show up at 11.15, I just stole 15 minutes of your life. I have just disrespected you and said, your time doesn't matter as much as my time. So I'm running pretty tight on schedule, and I'm going down I-44, going to get on 235 to go downtown. And as I'm exiting to get on 235, there was a man pushing his car off on the side of the road. And in my mind, I thought, I need to stop and help him. And then quickly, I'm preaching this series on purpose, and I thought, hold it. My primary purpose is to meet my friend at eleven. And so the man was okay. I, I mean, I would have been a help and assistance, but that was a secondary purpose. I mean, yeah, it would have been nice if I had no schedule or I was finishing a schedule to stop and help him. But my primary purpose was to meet somebody at 11 that was waiting on me. And if I didn't do it, I was going to waste their time. There will always be secondary purposes to challenge your primary purpose. I've known people that said, I'm going to go into ministry, but before I do, I'm going to make a bunch of money so that I don't have to worry about making money in ministry. So what they said is, my secondary purpose is more important than my primary purpose, and what they're also saying is, God's not big enough to take care of my primary purpose, so I'll fulfill my secondary purpose to take care of my primary purpose. Don't ask me to say it again. And so if we're not careful, the challenge to our purpose becomes a secondary purpose. It would have been good for me to pull off the side of the road and help that man. That would have been a really good thing to do. But a better thing to do was to stay with my primary purpose and honor the person I promised I would see. There will always be excuses. And it's funny to me that used to nobody would move on Sundays, but now they move on Sundays. So your, your secondary purpose is, hey, would you help me move? And the minute you say I'm going to church, they'll get mad at you, but church is your primary purpose. It's always amazing to me how Sundays are so well it's the only day and, and I get to sleep in. Sleep is your secondary purpose. Worshiping God is your primary purpose. I mean, God, I mean, I understand. I understand how difficult it is to spend an hour and a half of your week giving God just a nugget of your time. Give me a break. I would never want to stand before Jesus. You know, Jesus, I didn't go to church because my kids, they were little. And, you know, we're just so busy, God. We're so tired on Sunday. I know you understand. Don't be talking to God like you talk to your girlfriend or boyfriend. It's okay, honey. God, I, I'd love if God said, you know, I had a lot of things for you. Matter of fact, this Sunday you missed. Well, one of the 35 you missed out of 52. <laughs> Here's what I wanted to do for you. See, we, we, we treat church now differently than we did back in the 60s and 70s. Church is just nothing but an option anymore. But back in the 60s and 70s, my mama would drag us up out of the bed. She had three boys. She'd like, get up. My mama never asked me once, do you want to go to church? She didn't care about my answer. She said, we're going to church. We don't talk to our kids that way. What do you want no, we, we, breakfast was breakfast, baby. It wasn't like, what can I fix you? Here's what I fix you. Sit down and eat. You say, well, that's just mean. No, it's not. It teaches us to grow up and not become babies and think we always have to get our way. Don't get too excited. Don't call anybody on me now. They might censor this just because I'm, I'm throwing some Bible at you. I'm loving what's happening in the sports world. C.J. Stroud with the Texans was talking about Jesus being the Lord of his life, and they interviewed him, and guess what? NBC or ABC censored him. They cut that part off when he says, I love the city of Houston. I went, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, there's a revival getting ready to happen right now. And, and, and there's nothing NBC, ABC, or OMC can stop it. And so we, we've got to realize you've got to stand alone. You've got to have time alone to stand alone, and there are times that you'll have to walk alone. There won't be anybody by your side. There won't be anybody on your, in your corner. But this is what purpose does. Purpose strengthens us to do what we're called to do over what we might want to do. Now, you have to understand, once you achieve that, your want to will line up with his will to. But typically, there is an act of surrender and submission that comes before the want to. I never wanted to be a pastor. There are a lot of people who want to. They think it's great. to I never wanted to be, but I knew it was his will to be. And once I submitted to his will to be, there's nothing else I want. And so there's a test that happens. There are things that you, you and I will have to do to determine what we're going to do because sometimes it's just not a want to. And so we have to overcome that. In Job chapter 2, so Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his, feet to, the, his uh, feet to the crown of his head. And then Job took a piece of broken pottery, scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. This is when you know you married wrong. His wife said to him, are you still maintaining your integrity? <laughs> Woo, That'd been room for fighting right there. Like something like, shout, one! <laughs> <laughs> and even worse, keep behind me, Satan! Be all kinds, but Job just scraped away. She says, curse God and die. Whew. Listen, this ought to give hope to any marriage today. I mean, this is bad stuff here. You're thinking, you got it tough? No. His wife said, just curse God and die. Why are you holding on to this? Job had purpose. He replied, you are talking like a foolish woman. You go to prison for saying that today. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. You see, purpose holds us to what we're called to. I stand up here today because of purpose. I stand up here today because it's the will of God. And I'm loving it, but there was a moment that I wasn't loving it. When said God says, Go back to this city you failed, face the people. It wasn't a moment ago, I cannot wait. It was like, God, you got to be kidding me. But I, it strengthened my purpose to say, I will do whatever you want me to do. I'll do whatever you want me to do. It doesn't matter. And, and when we get to that place, we know that like Paul, he said, Paul said, I die every day. I die daily. And if we want to live daily, we have to die daily to the flesh, our own will, our own way, our own desire. Because when you walk... Your way, there will be people that walk away. And you know what? Don't go after them. Don't go after them. And it doesn't mean you have to hate them. It just means you don't go after them. you got to do what God's called you to do. You can't just go do what you want. We've been bought with a price. As I stated last week, only 25% of Americans have clarity of purpose, according to one survey. 25% 25% of Americans have clarity of purpose. It means 75% don't. And, and that purpose is available if you're willing to stand alone, spend time alone, and you're willing to walk alone. It doesn't mean you ha- you're going to have to, but you have to be willing to. And I can almost assure you there will be times you'll be standing alone. There will be times that you're going to have to say, i got to pull back. The Son of God. Had to spend time alone. The very son of God. What makes us think that we're not going to have to spend time alone? In my house for many years, I had my own exclusive prayer chair. And that was where I went to sit and remind myself, it's me and God. I've just created another one. Me and God. I close the door and I sit. Time alone. And then there are times that you just say, I'm going to walk this out. And if you spend time alone, you'll be able to walk alone. And you know what? Don't point the finger at anybody else and don't blame anybody else. This is, don't, don't go say, look, I don't need you. Yeah, we need each other. We do. But we need God more than we need each other. And God will bring the people alongside you that need to be alongside you for you to fulfill your purpose. And then there will be people that you'll have to let go of. And, you know, it's painful sometimes. But God will always take care of the pain. I mean, think about the pain of Jesus in that moment when he's hanging there alone. In front of his world in that day. And somehow he was able to stay on the cross when he could have called legions of angels to come and get him off. He said, this is a moment. Let me say this to you. There will be moments in your life when you will remember this and go, I can do this. I'll never forget seven months of being alone, just alone. Nowhere to go, nowhere to look, nothing to do. Some of you have been there, but those were the moments that forged this moment. I wouldn't have been able to do this had I not had that time To really lean on God. Lean on Him today. He's gonna get you to your purpose. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your patience again today. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your strength. Lord, I pray over everyone watching this and everyone in this house today that God, you would give them the strength to make decisions based on your purpose, not on their feelings, not on their emotions not even on our own desires. You said if we'll delight ourselves in you first, that you would then give us the desires of our hearts, but you have to come first. Help us today, Lord, to stay true to our call and our purpose. With every head bowed, every eye closed, there are those of you here today that maybe need Jesus in your life. You've not surrendered to him, made him the Lord of your life, but the ultimate purpose of God was so that you and I could be saved, so that we could have a life free from the control of Satan and sin, even though there's sin still residue in our lives, sin residue in our lives, you don't have to be under the authority of it. You can now walk free in him. So I want us all to pray this prayer. And those of you that are not born again, pray it really strong with faith in your heart. Everyone else pray this with them so that they don't have to pray it alone. Say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much. That you gave your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. Thank you that I'm saved. I'm set free. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or to recommit your life, text the word SAVE to 405-500-1310. Do it right now. Uh, We'll be praying for you. That digital template will walk you through it. Go there right now, 405-500-1310. Text the word SAVED. This time, we want to receive our tithes and offerings. And uh, again, thank all of you who faithfully give. And this is a, the purpose for giving, it's not like God really needs our money. We have to have it to operate, but the reality is God needs it. So that it's seed in his hands that you sow, and he can bring it back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. God is always saying, look, are you willing to surrender 10%? Are you simply willing to surrender 10%? And some people say, I can't even do that. If you understood the purpose of God, and his purpose is, if you give, it'll be given back, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So today, as you prepare to give, you can put your phone on the QR code behind me, your smartphone, take a shot of it, take you to the giving site. Uh, you can then set up a debit card or credit card. If you can't do that, then text the word say, uh, give to 405 546 Just text the word give, and again, you can walk through that. Um, if you want to give on the way out, there are giving buckets on the way out. Uh, you can also go to our website, mosaicokc.church forward slash give, or you can mail it to 5821 Northwest Expressway, Oklahoma City 73132. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come to the left of the stage right now. Uh, if you need prayer for any reason whatsoever, please take advantage of these warriors over here that will pray with you, pray for you. If you just gave your life to Jesus, please go and say, hey, today I made a decision to pursue my purpose, and now that God is the Lord of my life, I believe I can do that. Uh, Very, very important to do. And uh, also, if you want to serve in this church, which is very, very important, uh, you can text the word serve to the same number, 405-500-1310, and we'll have someone contact you. Fill out the digital service card, and we'll get with you if you want my call. Uh, On Wednesday nights, text the word call to that number and say, I want to be on the midweek call. It's just an inspirational call, two minutes or less, uh, to, to hopefully give you a shot during the week. All right? Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.